Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Celebrating the release of Culprits, The Heist is Just the Beginning, a linked anthology featuring Brett Battles, Gar Anthony Haywood, Jessica Kay, Joe Clifford, and edited by Richard Brewer and Gary Phillips. So I'll tell you a bit about everyone. Uh, Richard Brewer has worked as a writer, editor, actor, director, bookseller, book reviewer, movie development executive, and audiobook narrator. He is co-editor of the critically acclaimed Bruce Springsteen-inspired short story anthology, Meeting Across the River, as well as the speculative fiction collection, Occupied Earth, Stories of Aliens, Resistance, and Survival at All Costs. His most recent short story, Last to Die, was noted as one of the distinguished mystery stories of the year in the Best American Mystery Stories 2015. Gary Phillips has written various novels, novellas, radio plays, scripts, graphic novels, such as Vigilante, Southland, and published 60-some short stories. Phillips has edited or co-edited several anthologies, including the best-selling Orange County Noir, Occupied Earth with Richard Brewer, and the critically praised The Obama Inheritance, 15 Stories of Conspiracy Noir. He is the immediate past president of the Private Eye Writers of America. Brett Battles is the Barry Award-winning author of over 30 novels, including the Jonathan Quinn series, the Project Eden series, and the time-bending Rewinder trilogy. Gar Anthony Haywood is the Seamus and Anthony award-winning author of 12 crime novels. His short story collect, his short, sorry, his short fiction has been included in the Best American Mystery Stories anthologies and Booklist has called him a writer who has always belonged in the upper echelon of American crime fiction. Jessica Kay is an entertainment and publishing attorney at Kay and & Mills and a Grammy award-winning audiobook producer. Jessica owns Big Happy Family LLC, an audiobook distributor. She created and co-edited the anthology Meeting Across the River, and she is the author of the forthcoming How to Produce and Sell a Great Audiobook. Joe Clifford is the author of several books, including Junkie Love and the Jay Porter Thriller series, as well as editor of the anthologies Trouble in the Heartland, crime fiction inspired by the songs of Bruce Springsteen, Just to Watch Them Die, crime fiction inspired by the songs of Johnny Cash, and Hard Sentences, which he co-edited with J David, Jame, uh, David James Keaton. Oof, made it, guys. <laughs> Very good. We're delighted to feature this panel of authors along with the editors of this anthology tonight to read and discuss culprits. So to further introduce tonight's event, please help me welcome uh, Richard Brewer and Gary Phillips. Thank you so much. So the inspiration for this was a mutual love of heist novels and heist movies, you know, taking Pelham 1, 2, 3 and and Assault on a Queen and uh, the, the Parker novels mm. that are just, you know, they're, they're just fun, they're exciting to get up. And our thought was we wanted to do a heist thing. We wanted that to happen. But our 
what came up in our discussion was, what happens to all these guys after this heist? You know, every the movies and the books, it's always like they either all get killed or they all go their separate ways with or without their loot. But what happens after that? Because these guys go on. Obviously, there's more stuff that happens in their lives. Um, so what we did is we uh, wrote a heist, gathered together a crew, pulled together a collection of characters, and then we offered those characters up to the, the authors and said, pick a character. Pick something. We, we threw them out there and, and just said, you know, this guy's the safe cracker, this guy's the driver, this guy's the muscle, this, this is the organizer, this is the guy who finances the thing. Tell us what happened to them after this heist went down. And everybody just jumped right in and took out over and grabbed a character and ran with it. Just did a, you know, I'm promoting. It's really did a good job. But what I would like to do is I'd like to ask each of the authors, what drew you to the, the pro what, what attracted you to the project? And why did you pick the character that you picked? What was, the, what was it about that character that you went, that's the one that I want to take on? And uh, can we start with Gar? No. Uh, <laughs> we have to. We have to. You must. Um, well, I've always loved uh, drivers, you know, especially in crime fiction and in film. Uh, Baby Driver is the latest uh, in the genre on the film side. Uh, the driver uh, with. Uh, What's my man's name? Ryan O'Neill. Yeah, Ryan O'Neill. I mean, to me, that's a, just an incredibly underrated uh, classic film. Yeah. Um, so the driver appealed to me right away, but then, of course, it's been done so many times, and you ask yourself, well, you know, what original spin can I put on it? Um, so to answer the question asked, um, the two things that drew me to want to do this was, one, the challenge of trying to create a story about a, a, a heist driver that, you know, hasn't been done before, and then two, the very premise of the anthology, which is not so much what happens during the heist, but what happens to this guy afterwards, you know, what, what effect is the heist and uh, how it unravels, as they always do in some way, um, affect him long term in his life. So um, with those two challenges in mind, that's, what, that's why I said yes. I, I thought it was a, a great opportunity to do something different, and, uh, and I enjoyed the hell out of writing my story. Joe? I said yes because Gary and Richard asked me. Uh, <laughs> I, I had no idea this was such a heavy hitter collection when they asked. I and mean, this is how I approach life. I don't really think about things. I don't think it through. And the next thing I know, I'm in an anthology with Gar and Zoe Sharp. And, and uh, before I could be overwhelmed with you know the, the talent around me, I'd have written the story, which was good because I probably would have uh, folded under the pressure. But I chose uh, E.L. Estevet uh, um, because he uh, mostly what's going on politically. And when I express this to Gary, his first thing was like, we don't want any moralizing. I'm like, no, that's the last thing I want to do. But it struck me as, as having a career criminal, a Mexican career criminal, um, in the current climate we have now, and, and being able to sort of layer what's happening without saying it and, and having that as a backdrop, maybe fueling some of this idea of, um, you know, somebody feeling like an outsider among outsiders. Mm. So that was kind of the impetus behind my, my choosing him. So my character, um, well, I chose him for two reasons. One is that's who was left. <laughs> but you know, the thing is that we had some leeway with what we did with these characters. I mean, we knew who they were in the heist, mm -hmm. but what we did with them was was 
largely up to us. Right. And I guess I have a soft spot for somebody who thinks they know what's going on and then it turns out that they don't. Uh, because we've been down this road before when we did our first anthology, which was Meeting Across the River. It was based on the Bruce Springsteen song of the same name, which essentially is about a guy who thinks what's thinks he knows what's going on and odds are pretty good he doesn't. And um, I think you'll find the same as, spoiler alert, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I got involved because um, Gary intimidates me. <laughs> and I just, you know, have you seen this guy? He's big, loud, and, and so I, I, I couldn't cool. say no. And I'd actually already been in another anthology that you were doing, and I dropped out. So I knew I knew I only had like one one more shot. So so I said yes, and um, I chose the character of uh, Benny Parker um, uh, because the character I actually chose. They said, well. Yeah, that's a good character, but wouldn't you rather have this one? And now I find out that that, that Gar actually got the driver. <laughs> uh, so uh, that that answers that uh, burning question. In Thanks for the cash, Gar. Yeah. So so I just I just said, well, I'll take one of the uh, one of the other guys, and my guy is just basically uh, one of the muscle men right. within the so, thing. Right. But um, uh, he's a yeah, he's an ex soldier. Um, and my, I like the idea of exploring a character that was doing this not because he was a criminal, mm. but that he had a particular goal in mind that can only be met by, by being involved in, with people like this. These are not his kind of people. This is not what he would do if, if, this, if this particular goal did not exist in his life, but he was, he was using this situation to achieve the goal he was go that he wanted to achieve, which he may or may not do within the body of the story. I think one of the things that I loved about what you guys did was um, it could have been very easy just to move everybody forward, but you all took a, took a step back. We all got to get to, to know what motivated these guys, where they came from, and I think that in the if it had just been written straightforward, we wouldn't have gotten any of that. It just would have been like they're on the run or they're out on the run. You or should, going Richard, on. you should say who you wrote about. Um, yeah, I, I wrote about the uh, the, the, the cracksman, the, the, the safe cracker, and um, I just like the idea of someone who has been around for, you know, he's, in, he's almost 70, and he just knows stuff inside and out, and um, I won't do a spoiler alert, but I had this one thing in my head about the very, his ending, how he, how the, end, the story was going to end with him, and I was able to build on that, and a lot of it had to do with his background coming up from uh, from Mexico and, and how he survived in the United States and how he got into what he what he what he did and um, it was he was a lot of fun to to explore but uh, Gary took on you had the heavy lifting I think because you had the the main guy our, our main uh, our main uh, well, as, the as, leader of the pack as, as Greg knows this, this character O'Connor uh, had has shown up before I, I wrote a novel uh, a few years ago called uh, Warlord of Willow Ridge and, and and essentially, he's a guy. We, we kind of know that he's in his 40s. We kind of know he's sort of um, he's been a career criminal, and he, he's kind of in, in, in the in the novel. He's kind of semi-retired. He winds up, you know, way the hell out there in uh, uh, in Hemet, <laughs> uh, of all places, in this sort of uh, uh, subdivision, and he's kind of laying low. And but things happen, right? And uh, and so at the end of that novel, it's kind of uh, it's. Uh, Unclear, you know, whether he's going to walk the straight life or you know become a square or sort of continue on uh, what he's always done. 
And so I thought, well, you know, when we when we kind of sold this idea to Jason at, at Polis Books, I thought, well, all right, I I want to bring him back and uh, and put him in the mix and uh, and have him be the guy that's you know the pl the plotter, the planner, the guy who puts together the string, guy that puts together the crew. Uh, and uh, and oh, and I should mention, you know, and I, just to, not to go on, but I should mention that unlike a lot of other heist novels, not only do we have a kind of interesting cast of characters. Uh, we have a few uh, uh, women involved who are not just um, on the sidelines. A lot of times, it's funny because I just saw uh, *Den of Thieves*, and I thought, and, I, and, and actually, there's a woman in the in the movie who has a pivotal part, but she doesn't have a name, man. She didn't, you know, like she like barely has any screen time, but she actually has this weird pivotal part in the film. But it, but again, it's like you know, the women are not necessarily uh, integrated, you know, ingrained, right? Where I thought uh, we consciously did say. We definitely wanted a woman on the crew. It wasn't just like an appendage, or it wasn't just like the guy's girlfriend shows up and she's subbing. But it was clear that from the get-go, uh, you know, she's one of the professionals. So, so everything you just told us about O'Connor, you're you're telling us that this anthology was just a veiled attempt to sell the sequel to one of your books. <laughs> that's right. That, that's true. That, that's total total self promotion, as as always. It's always about me, girl. Always looking for you. Always looking out for number one. Always looking out for number one, baby. That's right. Does that mean we get a cut of future sales? That's right. That's right. That's right. So, what I wanted to ask you guys is, when it comes to to writing the mysteries or the thrillers that 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 you do, what do you see any difference between writing those those kinds of of novels? As opposed to a heist, do you, what do you think is the difference between what you may normally write, like uh, you know, with the Porter stuff? I, you know, it's not a heist thing; it's it's a crime thriller. Um, what do you think would be? Do you think there's a difference in that? For me, it's a, the level of for me, it's the level of adventure. You know, there the heist things are usually that that sense of uh, big goals. They've got to pull all this planning together, and it's going to be a, a big thing. I just uh, I reread um, *Assault on the Queen* by Jack Finney, which is where they raise a um, an, a World War II U-boat to uh, rob the Queen Mary, and it's and it works. It's so good, and the movie is so bad. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Frank Sinatra, yeah. Um, Tony Franciosa. Wow. And um, and that has a woman. She's the bankroller in the movie. She's the one that, oh, yeah. that, that pays yeah. for it all. Oh, She's the one that's right. coughing up the cash. Yeah. Um, but that's for me. That was what it was. I love the, 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 the what we were able to do with, with the characters and all that stuff. But that heist is. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in that heist that, that is just like you know we got to get out of here. We got to get the money. We got to do that. Um, I'm just curious if, if you see any difference between that and the regular crime novel. Brett, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Carr. <laughs> I, I haven't written a lot of heist stuff personally, but um, it seems to me that the difference between a, a, a heist novel and a, a thriller like what I would typically typically write, like a spy thriller or just a high adventure thriller, is that a, a, a heist novel is a lot more about the details. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like the, the, the planning, like you say, and the, and the, the intricate little work mm. to, get, to pull all your strings together to either make it happen and work or not and then also seeing the ways that it might not work as you're going along the way which I kind of do in a thriller too but there's you know a thriller is you know constant action for the most part I mean you know you get to uh, 
I, I, the book I'm writing right now, I, I, I open up on a, on a big uh, um, uh, kidnapping scene right at the very beginning of the book. And then I have a little break. And then I go into this other big uh, um, um, uh, invasion or, or uh, uh, infiltration scene, you know, where, where there's a lot of action and shooting and, and whatnot. What so it's, you know, a thriller is like the, the action is pushing you along. Whereas I think with the heist, and I, and I might be wrong, is a lot of what's pushing you on is the tension. Of, mm -hmm. of of building to the moment mm -hmm. and 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 how it's all coming together and how they might they almost get caught at different points or they almost do the wrong thing as they're going along but then they kind of turn left instead of turning right so the cops miss seeing them I don't know you know that kind of thing you know that's I may be completely wrong but that <laughs> just what came off the that's why I wanted you to start <laughs> get all the wrong stuff out you, of you know me so <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, what he said. <laughs> I mean, I don't have as much experience writing crime novels as these guys do. I've got two unfinished novels that happen to both be crime novels. Mm. And one is lost in an old computer somewhere, and the other one is actually my current work in progress. And um, there is a heist in it, but for me the difference is um, it's not the focus. My novels are pretty much about people who are victims of circumstance. They fall into these... Um, unsolved mysteries. They need to find out the why or the where or the how and almost always the who. Uh, so it's not, it's exactly what you're saying, it's not as detail-oriented in the sense of the setup. It might be in the resolution, but not uh, from the start all the way through. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, close enough. <laughs> Uh, I'll stick with the theme of being in over our heads. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you know, the Porter books, uh, Porter, which is actually a nod to Donald Westlake, I don't know if you saw Mel Gibson's Payback, which was based on, you know, Parker novels, and that's about as far, that's about as close as I get to anything to do with Donald Westlake. I actually picked it because Donald West Westlake wrote my favorite short story of all time, Ordo. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read it, it's a hard story to find, but that's how my mind works anyways. So in my mind, it makes perfect sense, I'm based on a short story character, anyway, has nothing to do with heists. Uh, I write like Jessica, characters um, kind of fall into things, uh, and so that world where I write, you know, it's a sad alcoholic who's living on a mountain, cold and alone. Uh, what drew me to this thing was that I would love to write a heist novel. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love, I, my brain just doesn't work like that. In fact, if I had my way, I would have been a career criminal, but I'm just not, I, I tried it and I'm not very smart with that sort of thing. Um, I got arrested very fast. I was printing checks to myself. Looked like a good idea at the time. Not a real long shelf life there. Because you're going to go back to the same bank and be like, hey, you, it's you. Um, so yeah, uh, but so being a writer, I get to explore these things. And that was a fun thing, is watching you guys come up with the heist, which is something I, it's so out of the realm of the way I think. You know, I'm talking about, you know, I work with the characters and that sort of more internal. Um, so the, the heist to have, there's all this stuff happening, and you're on the, the farm, and you got the financier, and you got, you know, this, this, this slush fund, and all these things, like, my brain just doesn't work like that. So when I got far enough away and I could look at a character looking at that from the outside, that's where I was in my comfort zone. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. I got to run in your coattails. <laughs> Make it good, Carl. Uh, yeah, better be, huh, at this point. Um, <laughs> no, most of the stuff that I write in general um, does not fall into the category of noir, per se. Um, so bad things happen to people, but there's not the expectation that something terrible is going to happen. I think uh, the classic heist novel 
uh, is, is designed to unravel. Mm -hmm. Some bad things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's going to survive. Mm -hmm. If they make a movie out and Jim Brown's in it, he's going to die. We you know that. Uh, Gary, no matter how intricately they plan those uh, right. those heights, Jim Brown dies in the end. Well, it doesn't seem to matter. Actually, it's funny that you just said it, right? Because uh -huh. one of the one of the Parker novels was filmed with with Jim Brown. Oh, there you go. Did he you die? No. Keep him around a bit. Must have got a new agent. <laughs> but uh, no. But the point is um, that I had to write this story with a different mindset than I ordinarily do, in this in the sense that I think the expectation. Uh, of people that read high uh, fiction, per se, um, is that something bad is going to happen, mm -hmm. something unexpected the, is going to happen that's going to create some real complications for the character. And I don't necessarily write that way all the time, um, so I had to kind of put myself in that place to write this story. So in that way, it was different from what I usually do. Yeah, one of the things that was just so exciting about uh, reading everybody's story is, honestly, everybody went in a different direction than I thought they would. I kind of had it in my head that things were going to go along a certain line. It's like, oh, everything is going to be terrible and everything's going to be awful. And not everything is. It's, it, or if it is, it's not the way I thought it was going to go. I thought, you know, I had different, I don't, I don't want to give anything there away. Bad, there are some bad things. There's some bad things, but, but it's interesting that it wasn't as... I thought they were all going to be really horrible things happening to people, and not all of them are. And I was like pleasantly surprised that things went different ways. And um, consequently, there's a great flow to the book in which that it's not all one level. And uh, and that's these guys. That's what these guys did, which is great. Um, I don't think anything else. Anybody else? No. <laughs> so well, before we open it up, yeah. do we want to? Have do you guys want to read a little snippet from your story or not? If anybody wants to, you. you yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> then we should we should open it up for. Uh, Wait. No. Oh, you're gonna read something. You're gonna read something. Uh, damn, Gonzalez said. Okay. Wow. Great. Great delivery. Offer. Offer. Great. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You uh, must be a writer. <laughs> certainly not a reader. Uh, <laughs> Can we, uh, yeah, can we open up to questions? Yes, sir. Well, what are your favorite heist novels? What you, what heist oh, novels well, you should ask. Yeah. <laughs> no, we actually just, we just had to do a little thing for the, the Strand. Oh, I guess I should talk to the mic in case they can't hear me. Uh, uh, because my voice is so low. Um, uh, we just did a little something for the Strand magazine, the online version. And uh, so Richard mentioned uh, Assault on the Queen and... Uh, and Pelham one two three. And Pelham, take it Pelham one two three. Which is uh, just, it, it it's that's just one of those things where it's like, it, it was written back in the seventies. It was back when you know planes were being hijacked and everybody was going you know take me to Cuba, um, and that kind of thing. And it's a subway, a New York subway uh, car that gets gets hijacked, and it it's really done on a time schedule. I mean, I, right. my memory of it, I went back and, and revisited yeah. it for for our thing, and um, they give them an hour for a million dollars. It's like, you have an hour to get us a million dollars or we start killing hostages. And then the book is, is everybody trying to meet that time schedule. And uh, it's, it's, if you haven't read it, after you read Hot Culprits, um, I would highly recommend going and, and, and checking that out. And if you can find Assault on a Queen, just for, written in, this, in the late 50s, it's a little creaky in places, but it's got an ending that'll just, that's, that's just perfect, absolutely perfect. I was a big, uh, I still am a, a big uh, W.R. Burnett fan, the guy that wrote Little Caesar and High Sierra. 
and Asphalt Jungle. I mean, I, I read that, I don't know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, and I, but it still sticks with me. Uh, you know, just, again, because of just the character, you know, the, 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 there's a, you know, there's a plot, there's an in, intricacy to, to the heist, but it's really about these characters. And it's really about these flaw, the flaws that the characters have that not only are the thing that, that compels them to steal or, you know, pull off this crime, but are also the things that are going to trip them up uh, in the end. And then, and then we'll, we'll open it up here. But, and just, just so we're a kicker, I, I also then, uh, there's this great graphic novel called The Last Days of American Crime, where uh, the U.S. is going to send out this, <laughs> this brainwave signal where, you, you know, it'll turn off you know, crime, th criminal thoughts in your head. So of course these guys find out about it, and of course they're going to plot this one big heist to pull off before you know you can't you can't you can't steal anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was a great idea. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I, uh, I, I'm gonna actually choose a couple movies instead of books because uh, uh, that's what comes to mind immediately, and and they're both ones that maybe don't come to mind first for for anyone, but um, one would be Kelly's Heroes. Which, oh, you know, one of my yeah, which is uh, you know the pulling off a heist in the middle of World War II, right. stealing the gold from the uh, Germans, right. and right. and you know taking tanks and supplies from the American army, and it was it's such a great, it's so much fun. And the other is Family Plot huh. Uh, huh. by Alfred Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock's last film, because they're trying to steal. I mean, they, it's not a full-on heist. I mean, they, they they she pretends to be a madam so that they can right. steal stuff from their um, uh, rich customers and, and in the end they're looking for this one diamond right. but uh, it ends up being hidden in the chandelier and nobody knows it's there. It's right. It's, that's just the <laughs> Anyway, that's my choice. I'm just passing on this one. I don't have a favorite. <laughs> Pass. I'm going to do something that's really uh, shameless. But uh, a few years ago, uh, we acquired the rights to High Sierra, a publisher I worked for, so I got to serve as editor for the re-release. Um, and watching how Burnett did these things, yeah. I mean, it was the easiest pay to ever make. <laughs> I, had, I literally had to do nothing but read the book. But when you're reading a book as the editor and yeah. looking, you know, it's it's pretty amazing to see how somebody like that works. And yeah. so you're really getting paid to. You should be paying that. Way. Right. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I've read a couple of the uh, Richard Stark. Um, Parker novels, they're fantastic. Um, but like like Brett, most of my inspirations in terms of heist uh, movies come to mind. First, um, the Anderson tapes, actually. Yeah. Mike, which of course was a book well before. From uh, Lauren Sanders. Lauren Sanders. Lauren Sanders. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was like that. Um, and then of course, uh, Point Blank, yeah. which is based upon one of the one of the. It's, based, it's actually based on the first one, The Hunter. The Hunter. That's right. Good. That's so I, I would I would point those out as inspirations, right. I guess. Cool. Um, I'm like a communications major in college, and a lot of like my projects are like collaborative. So I was just wondering, like, as a group of you guys, how much of like the plot is collaborative? Like, one of the authors like want to go this way, like, and then someone else wants to go like this way. How do you guys like manage all of that? I, I think somebody has an answer. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because um, I was going to talk about this earlier, but I couldn't figure out where to fit it in. Actually, I couldn't write my story until Zoe Sharp wrote hers mm. because hers is a, about a character that impacts my character. Right. Right. And I had, and it turns out she had something very dispositive in her story that completely changed maybe what I would have done mm. with with my character. Mm. So um, in that way, it was extremely collaborative. But. You should all, you know, in this case, since it's an anthology, 
the we Richard and I came up with the basic plot, right? The basic plot is the heist itself, right? And, the, and, that, and that that essentially takes place in the, in the first chapter. <clears throat> and and so we knew we gave everybody that chapter to read because they so you could see what the heist was. What the heist was, and and we pulled together the characters. Right. We kept the characters. Um, well, also so you can see the interplay between the characters. Right, the interplay between the characters, but we didn't go into great detail That's with right. the characters. That's you know, right. this is the safe cracker, this is the muscle, this right. is the driver, this is the pilot. Little, little you know, just little things. Right. And we, we, what we wanted was then for the, what, and what they did was for the uh, contributors uh, to build on that. That's right. And I think the, the collaborative aspect of that for, uh, for us as editors was to just, and we really only had to do a little bit, of just changing things to make things a little more consistent, you know, with like if they mentioned something in a backstory, we had right. to make sure that that was that wasn't contradicted in a, in another story, right. and um, and then we would ask you guys if that was okay, and everybody was was great. Everybody but, was very. Uh, and I think too, it, it also uh, it actually it was interesting how it worked out because you're right. We actually had uh, a semi nightmare that you know this it, it would be so far all over the map that we would never because we knew we had to write sort of a concluding chapter to resolve at least the question of the heist itself and, and those particular uh, set of characters, the, the, the bad or bad guys, I guess, uh, is a way to say it. Uh, and so that, but, so we knew though that, um, or we told the writers that, you know, whether, whether their story had anything to do with the heist per se, or advancing that particular plot, it didn't matter. Uh, as it happened, I mean, things did work out really well in the sense that the pieces all sort of came together. I, I'll also say that, um, and I don't. I assume if we all did this, but we gave you guys. You asked for like little synopsis right. of what we were right. going to do right. first, right. and then um, you kind of fed back. And I know you and I had similar ideas of what we were going to do for with our stories, even from the synopsis. Yeah. And yeah. and um, and we talked about. Well, I, you know, I said, well, I could change it, and then you thought about it, and then eventually you said, no, just go for that, and then and then you were going to change yours. But I mean, it was. Definitely some back and forth on that. Too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was it was an interesting thing to come up in that Brett and I had very similar. Uh, my initial thought and his initial thought were very similar, and um, his idea was so much better than I said. I got to change my. Of course, of course, of course, it was. Yeah, that goes without saying. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Kidding. <laughs> with a, with a, any kind of you know the collaborative uh, effort. Um, I'm not a lot like Jessica. I had to see what Brett did because um, <laughs> I uh, I based a lot of, of Eel off of his affinity for Benny. Yeah. So um, it's kind of like a tapestry in a way, sir. So where these places connect, you have yeah. these different focal points. So my focal point to, to build my story, the empathy, the kind of character I had, uh, built off the earnestness of Benny and what he was trying to do. So when I read that, that's where I got my idea, sir. So yes, basically I stole, I took your hard work, I stole it, and I, I called my Very idea. good. There you go. Another, I know that. That's right. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. Would be right. So, did you have to read all the stories to come up with the ending, or how, how did that ending? Oh, that's. that's you say you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to. I, okay. No, 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 I'm just. I'm just trying to. No, I mean we read all the stories. The answer is yes. Yes. No, it's interesting. I'm trying to think of of of, of how much. I mean, of course we had to cut. We had to. We had to. To, to take into account what had happened to the other characters. Um, no, we, we actually, no, as I recall, um, we started to write some parts of the ending, and then things did change as stories came in, uh, and whether some people were alive or dead or whatever, 
that does get referenced a bit. So I, I recall, I, I do recall, we tinkered with some things toward at the end, the endings uh, story uh, to make things mesh in the sense of of so that it resonates. So it didn't come out of left field that there's some there's some connection to all all that has happened before. So but, folks, folks, when you read the end of the book and you go, oh, this doesn't make, make any sense. sense. You know, you'll understand that's why. Right. Okay. Well, thank, thank you for that, Gary and Richard. That's right. Well, that. just drunk when they did that. No, Wait, man. what are you doing up here? That's right. <laughs> did you write something? Hi. Yeah, I'm curious. That sort of goes to the questions about how you plot it. My question goes, I'm familiar with a lot of people writing the different people in the panel. And you're stylistically very different. So I was curious, I mean, when, I guess when I read the book, I'll know. But how do you, how do you reconcile I mean, some very different kind of styles of writing to make it cohesive? I mean, did you, was there, or did, you, did everybody just get to write any way they wanted? And, and we have like, you know, seven different very distinct writing styles. I think everybody got to write what they wanted to write and how they wanted to write it. Everybody got to write what they wanted to write and how they wanted to write it. The great thing about the way this was 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 put together, the great thing it was, <laughs> um, was the fact that it did because it was about the characters outside of the heist. That's right. It could be an individualistic story, an individual right. story with their own style because it's about that individual character. This is from their point of view and from their POV. Yeah. Right. 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 So it and that actually worked. I think. To the to the to the uh, to the to the work's um, advantage. Which well, was really exactly what you planned from the beginning, right? That's right, exactly. Yeah, that was it. We had it that's all right. planned the out. Old planned the out. old master plan. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right, right, right. There you go. There you go. That kind of, what happened when I arrived? I didn't know what the concept yeah. was, and, until you started speaking, and I automatically bought the book and dove into chapter three because I know that author. Each was. I thought it was a collection of stories where each one stands alone. And, and thoroughly enjoying that as a standalone story, and not realizing until you introduced what's the concept. Like, oh, I read. I'm reading this wrong. But now I'm. I still want to finish chapter three, and then maybe go back to. The but if it, they are all standalone stories, yeah. I mean, they can stand alone, yeah. but they also are a big cohesive. Right. Uh, um, but there are some reference things in some stories right. that only if you've read something that happened before you get what the reference is. But yeah, if, if you were to just yeah, like you like you if you just picked up chapter three or chapter four or whatever, you would get a complete satisfying story. It's just as it as it's as you um, if you take it into the um, if you hold in mind of it as a whole, you'll see that it, that it, that they're con that it all fits together too, and, and actually tells an over over um, an arc tells a full arc of, of what happens. I can say strictly speaking for myself that the only adjustment I made to my writing. I was trying to channel Reed, Reed Farrell Coleman. That's right, um, that's right, that's right. That's beyond right. that, um, yeah, beyond that, that's shout right. out to Reed. That's right, that's right. You that's too? Right. <laughs> wow, because that's, that's what Brett told me. <laughs> um, yeah, anything else that we can... Not that we can bluff our way through. Well, we can sell some books now. Or we can sell some books. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, yes, sir. Just really quick, did you have any set of pre-established rules like Everything had to be third person or first person or whatever. Or... No, no, we didn't. Um, which again was we, what, one of the things that, that we wanted was for uh, for everybody to have the freedom to do what they what what they felt and what they wanted to, to present. Um, we did a an anthology last year called Occupied Earth, which was stories based on Earth in the near future 
after we'd been taken over by aliens. And consequently, there were a lot of rules. There were a lot of things that we saw in, in, <laughs> yeah. in that world that we didn't want the authors to stray from. You know, we didn't want flying cars. We didn't want death rays. We didn't, right. you know, things like that. And that let, uh, was, we, we turned out a great product, but it, there was a lot more interaction. With the yeah, authors. a lot more back and forth. A lot of yeah. more, but, you know, and sometimes good and sometimes not so good. <laughs> but, um, but so what we liked about this was, to, was for everybody to have freedom. In, in, in what they were going to do. And if they wanted to tell it first person, third person, you know, whatever they wanted to do, we wanted them to be free to do that. Maybe not second person. Yeah, that's second person. I have read some of the ones in second person. I couldn't believe it. What the hell? Oh, man. <laughs> well, with that. With that, we can sell and sign books. Yeah. Okay. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy.